you're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Imagine a restaurant concept so hot that they actually opened 25 new locations during the height of the pandemic. And if that's not crazy enough, imagine that those new locations actually rang a 45% increase in grand opening sales compared against those locations that opened pre-pandemic. Crazy, right? Well, in this episode, I'm speaking to Ms. Jody Boyce, who is the Executive Vice President of Teriyaki Madness. They're setting the country on fire, and they've got locations all across the U.S., and it's also a franchise opportunity. So if you're looking for something new, stay tuned. You'll learn all about the ins and outs of that franchise. Besides that, we're also going to cover their best practices, competitive advantages, how they train their staff, and all the usual nuggets that'll help you run a stronger, more profitable operation. A big shout out of thanks to our sponsors for this week's episode, Dawn Professional, Dish Liquid, and RestaurantBrands.com. Thank you all. Guys, take it from me. From one operator to another, I'll tell it to you straight. Nobody likes greasy pots and pans. And I want to keep my dish guys happy. So we upgraded to Dawn Professional Pot and Pan. Dawn Professional cleans 58% more pots and pans per sink than our old soap, the so-called leading competitor. Less dish soap means fewer sink changeovers and a happier dish crew. Try Dawn Professional in your place. It's clean, upgraded. Whether you're just starting a restaurant or expanding your concept, you need a powerful web domain name. Restaurantbrands.com has 1,000 restaurant domains with new names available regularly. All these are .com domains, which are, of course, the dominant extension that your customers assume and expect. You don't want to lose traffic to your site or business with a non-.com extension. Restaurantbrands.com, you can get a relevant domain for just about any type of restaurant or cuisine. Even those trending huge right now for curbside, takeout, delivery, touchless, contactless, and even ghost kitchens. With 24-hour customer support and easy pay options, including pay over time as a lease to own. You can even stop at any time if you're not 100% satisfied. Go to www.restaurantbrands.com today for your exclusive 25% off deal. Just use the coupon code RESTAURANTROCKSTARS at checkout. That's just one word, RESTAURANTROCKSTARS, to get the URL that truly fits your business and builds your brand. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Restaurant Rockstars podcast, and these are engaging topics that help restaurants rock their profits, build their brands, deliver amazing guest service experiences, and discover new franchise opportunities, the subject of today's podcast. With me today, Jody Jody Boyce, who is the executive vice president of a really hot on-fire concept called Teriyaki Madness. Welcome to the show, Jody. Thanks for having me. I I love talking shop with operators and especially those that are really innovative concepts. You know, this one, we're going to get into all the nuts and bolts of what makes teriyaki madness really red hot right now. But before we do, as my audience knows, we always start with the backstory of my guests. And I understand you've got quite an extensive hospitality restaurant background. So take us from the start right up to present day. What have you done? All right. So um, I grew up in California. (laughs) <laughs> going way back. Um, and I went to school here in Colorado in Boulder. 
And my first job out of college was driving the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile around the country. Awesome. Um, I was a hot dogger. So it was all about uh, PR and getting um, media hits and getting attention, which is not that hard to do when you're in a 27-foot hot dog driving around. But that really launched my career into the restaurant industry. And so when I came back, I decided to um, live in Denver instead of California. And Denver just happens to be a a mecca for um, different restaurant brands. So I was with Quiznos um, for many years during the height of their growth um, and Baker Square and Village Inn. And I've been on the, um, both on the agency side and the client side. So I worked with Einstein Brothers Bagels, but worked on the agency side. Um, And so lots of experience and um, absolutely loving my time at Taraki Madness. And when I, when I came here, I basically uh, was doing a bunch of research at Smashburger at the time and really understanding what consumers wanted. And pretty much Cherokee Madness has it all. And so I was really excited to jump on board and, and get started with this brand. Awesome. What's the history of Teriyaki Madness? How long was it, uh, you know, when was it launched? How long has it been? I mean, your growth is explosive. You got stores across the country and growing rapidly still. When did it all begin and who founded it? So it actually started back in 2003. Um, it- brothers and a cousin who were living up in Seattle where teriyaki is on every corner. It's like Chicago hot dogs or New York pizza. And so uh, they were moving back down to Las Vegas um, where they were going to be living after school and decided we need teriyaki down here. So they learned the ropes from their favorite mom and pop shop up in Seattle um, who told them go start your own and never open one in Seattle. So there's actually a couple um, Teriyaki places in Seattle, they're not tied to us, um, ironically, but we, um, we're all over the country now. So um, Eric and Alan still own their restaurants out in Las Vegas, but they decided to sell the company about five years ago to Michael Haith, who's our CEO, and that's why we're in Denver. So when I started about four and a half years ago, we were very much like a startup. Um, we had 30 or so restaurants at the time. Um, but we were working on all the processes and systems and we didn't have an app or online ordering and a lot of the basic things to make us into a a larger brand um, at the time. And so we have been um, exploding with growth ever since. That's fantastic. Let's talk a little bit about the menu because I always, you know, do a research deep dive into my guest, you know, know a little bit about what you are all about and also look at the website of a restaurant. And my audience knows that a really great restaurant website really brings the experience to life for the customer, even if they've never walked in the door before, but it compels them to try the restaurant. You know, that's a great restaurant website. And yours certainly does that. I was looking at the website and all the choices and the food and yes, it's lunchtime and it's really making Mm -hmm. me hungry, but you know, you specialize in 100% fresh food, lots of healthy choices, but it doesn't have to be. So tell us what the menu offers, what the appeal is to the customer. Sure. So we actually did a bunch of research in 2019 and quantitative and qualitative and met in person with over 60 of our customers um, here in Denver and out in Vegas and really got into, you know, why do you love our food? And it what it came down to is the flavor. It is addicting. It is really delicious food. And then there was a whole bunch of other things that, that are underneath that. Um, we have huge portions. We serve um, grilled and marinated fresh chicken. 
beef, tofu, and salmon. Uh, and then you choose your base, whether you want white rice, brown rice, fried rice, or noodles. And then all of our bowls come with our fresh veggies. And so what we really learned is um, it's not only the flavor, but uh, they love that it's fresh and it's made to order and that's customizable. If you don't like onions, you can say no onions. Um, and so that that's a differentiator today. It's you know not sitting waiting to be scooped um, from a pan. Um, but yeah, overall, it's it's really good food and it can be healthy. I mean, I can order. Um, you know, chicken breast with all veggies and skip all the, the rice or noodles, or it doesn't have to be. I can go get the delicious fried rice and uh, noodles and orange chicken. So um, it's, it's a lot of what people want um, and customizable is great. And you get exactly what you want. And it's a fast casual concept. So there's no um, service. There's no in-house perhaps dining. It's always been just counter service type thing. And now with uh, COVID, it's curbside pickup and delivery only. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, we do have dining rooms. So you can, pre-COVID, you could dine in or take out. But even before the pandemic, we were doing 70% of our business out the door um, anyway. So we consider ourselves fast casual in the dining room and more QSR in back of house as far as speed of service. Um, so you get the quality of fast casual with, with the speed. Um, so yes, and 70% of our, our orders were being either takeout or delivery prior. Uh, we didn't have to pivot too much for uh, the pandemic. We just had to kind of crank it up and um, really start letting people know you can get your food delivered. Um, and now we have, you know, curbside pickup and making it really easy to get, get food in people's hands. Yeah, I mean, a lot of restaurants have really struggled that were sit-down only, especially with government mm -hmm. restrictions and, and social distancing and all those things. But you were really poised for, you know, growth even before the pandemic hit. You certainly couldn't predict it. But those restaurants that offered all of those things pre-pandemic are the ones that are still really, really thriving now that haven't really had to shift too much. So I think that's, that's mm -hmm. tremendous. So 25 new locations opened during the pandemic. Now, did any of them sort of start as the pandemic was happening or they were all in the planning stages and then all of a sudden there's the pandemic, but they're thinking, hey, we can still make this work because of the model is geared towards, you know, the yes. takeout and, and the delivery thing. Yeah. So we actually, we opened 30 throughout the whole year. So five mm -hmm. pre-pandemic and, and the shop, there were some shops that literally opened a week or two before kind of the world shut down. Yeah. Uh, they're still thriving. So that's, that is great news. Uh, we didn't open any shops in March or April. And then in May, we had, we did have quite a few shops who were already in the construction process who were moving forward and starting to pay rent. And so we made some decisions with them and with their input and with our awesome trainers who were, you know, willing to go out there as essential workers to help train new people um, and give new people jobs. And a lot of people need jobs right now. So Absolutely. Um, made a conscious decision to, you know, for those shops who want to open, let's go ahead and do it. Um, we did have to change our whole grand opening, um, just our process from pre-COVID. We used to try and push as many people as we could into the shops. And we used to have these lines out the door. Um, we don't exactly want that now. So right. we pivot and change everything to digital. So still having the same contests and you know pushing people to order online and order ahead. Um, but everything was done online. 
Uh, and we opened our first ones in May. We opened 25 uh, from May through the end of the year. And um, they were higher openings than we had um, in 2019. So I think it was a combination of the fact that our food's delicious, but then it's easy to get. So whether it was through delivery, curbside or pickup, um, it's easy. And I think with the pandemic, there are a lot of people who were just excited to have something new, a new restaurant to go to. Um, and so our, our shops have been doing pretty well. So you're based in Denver, and I guess I'm assuming that most of the growth happened out west, but is it now pretty much evenly dispersed across the country, or how would you say the makeup of the franchise stores, you know, are working out in the country right now? It really doesn't matter. They're in most states. They're in, uh, we're in 30-something states right now, so 95 locations. We are in Hawaii, um, and then about 30 states um, in the continental U.S. And then we also have two in Mexico, and we're opening two in Canada um, later this year. So it isn't going international. Wow. We are international. Yes. Fantastic. That, <laughs> that is so awesome. What is there a typical square footage size to a shop? Do they vary dramatically, or is it all pretty much standardized? They do vary. Um, one thing that COVID has shown us is we don't need you know, the, the big dining rooms anymore. Uh, most of ours are around 16 to 1800 square feet. Um, we have some that are even smaller than that. And so this has just kind of allowed us to say, okay, we don't, we don't need the big, big dining rooms anymore. What's really important is um, ease of access. So can I drive in, park quickly for curbside or run in? Um, you know, we don't necessarily need the big end caps with drive through but we do need a visible location right off the, the street. So this is, of course, a franchise, and a lot of our audience might be looking for a new opportunity right now. So I like featuring really hot franchises because it's such a hard choice to select a food franchise. I mean, there's obviously the upper tiers, you know, the McDonald's and the Burger Kings that charge you a fortune to get in on it. And, you know, it's almost like um, a prestigious car dealership. You can't just have the money and expect to, you know, be a McDonald's franchisee. And then there's like every choice, you know, in, in between. And this one is obviously really standing out to me based on the success and the results you've had during the worst, you know, disaster ever to hit this industry. So a lot of people are intrigued by that. So I guess I'm curious what qualifications you might be looking for in potential franchisees. And then I'd also like you to tell us, you know, what training and support that you offer and, you know, what the timeline is between, hey, I got this great idea and I'm, I'm going to contact Jody or Teriyaki Madness before I'm actually up and running. If you can answer those three things, sure. let's, let's go through that. Absolutely. So we have a couple different franchising models. We have worked with franchisees who don't even have food experience or business experience for that matter. Um, as long as they are willing to follow a system and processes, we think they can be successful. And we've seen it. We've seen it over and over. So one of our differentiators, um, that we pride ourselves on are our systems and processes. We brought in a lot of people at the corporate level who have years and years of amazing experience. And so we're bringing all that together so that if you can follow a system, you can own a restaurant and be successful. Um, we're also um, working with a lot of the multi-unit franchisees who own, you know, maybe, maybe they own five or six or a dozen other brands and want to kind of round out their portfolio. So that's, that's one segment. And then our newest area um, is really unique. 
Um, we created this about a year ago. We launched in February, right before COVID. And now we have 10 shops open under this new restaurant um, uh, division that we've created and it's called Restaurant Sherpas. And so this is an affiliate of Taraki Madness, but basically we allow investors to purchase um, a Taraki Madness or completely absentee franchisee. Um, they, they purchase it, they are still the franchisee, but Restaurant Sherpas will run everything for them. And so um, they can be as involved or not involved as they want to be. We will oh. from construction and real estate to the training and hiring and marketing. Um, or they can kind of pick and choose pieces they want to be involved with. So that's pretty unique. Um, Very unique. I've not heard of that before. I mean, that's no, a whole new spin on an investment. What a cool, what a cool opportunity. Yeah. So we wanted to give an opportunity for people who want to invest and want to want a piece of this as we're growing, but maybe want to keep their normal jobs in life and and just make it an, an investment. Okay. So walk me through a typical process. I'm interested in new franchise and I've got, you know, maybe some restaurant experience, maybe some business experience. What's the timeline? How long is this going to take? Now, I understand you've got real estate experts that find locations and help you with build outs and all that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff. And then there's obviously standardizing the concept. So every teriyaki madness looks like a tear. Well, I shouldn't say that. Is there any customization or personal touches allowed or is it really everyone has to look like every other one? Um, a little of each. So we obviously yeah. are, are big brand pieces that all shops are going to have. Mm-hmm. Um, all of our shops have at least a wall chatter quote. It's a quote that they can pick that's unique to them, or it could be funny. It could be, um, you know, heartwarming, but it's their quote on the wall. Yeah. Um, if you're in Hawaii and you want a surfboard in the shop, you know, we're, we're willing to put something personal in there because our, our are part of the community. And that's, that's one of the pieces mm-hmm make us successful so um we're not so you know in a box that has to be so black and white uh we will work with the the franchisees on that and is there a typical timeline would you say three months six months before you're up and running is it shorter longer what would you say it just depends so one of the silver linings of the pandemic and as as you know upsetting as it is that there are so many restaurants that have gone out of business the silver lining to us and to our franchisees is it's allowed us to go in and get some really great real estate and be able to flip restaurants really easily. So if we can find a second generation location that already has maybe um, the hood and the you know, right. right. Some of the infrastructure in place. Yep. Exactly. We can um, turn it pretty quickly. So we've gone anywhere from a couple months to, you know, much longer if, if we're finding a different real estate process, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, once once someone comes into our system and they kind of pass the, the initial um, reviews of making sure that they're qualified, we do have them come in um, either virtually right now or come into Denver and we do discovery day. We spend a whole day with them going over all of our processes and systems. And it's an interview for them, you know, interviewing us as much as it is us interviewing them. We want to make sure that we're a good match um, culturally. Okay, that's cool. And obviously, they do a certain amount of purchasing directly through corporate to maintain consistency of product, that sort of thing? Uh, not through corporate, but yes, we provide the, the vendors and the partnerships and um, right. make sure we lock in on pricing. So yes, like for our food is through Cisco and for, we have uniform vendors and we do want to 
that there are certain things that are, are very standard so that they're consistent. Um, and others that we, you know, still allow some flexibility for local partnerships as well. Now, the menu seemed fairly elaborate. I mean, you got lots of protein choices. Obviously, you get the bases and all that sort of thing. Is there specific training in the spices and the nuances? Because the flavor profiles have to be absolutely uniform. Because if you dine in a teriyaki madness in Hawaii, you want it to be the same as in Denver and all that kind of, I mean, that goes without saying. But I mean, you know, you got different cooks in the kitchen. You got to maintain that consistency somehow. Is it kept simple or do you need a certain expertise in the kitchen and you really need to find someone with experience that, you know, consistency? Yeah. How would you well, answer that? It, uh, it depends on the position in the kitchen, but we have right. extensive training. So our franchisees come to Denver for two weeks for what we call hot training. And they do everything from, you know, cleaning the floors to making the chicken to, to working on the, the P&Ls. Gotcha. Um, and when they open, we go out there for 10 days um, and train their whole staff um, on, on everything. Because we do make our um, sauces in-house and we do have proprietary recipes that, that they do need to follow. So we do have a lot of um, training and then ongoing training. It's important, you know, if there is employee turnover that, that the yes. new are trained. Right, right, right. Um, so training is a big focus for us because you're right, consistency is key. Um, luckily, our, our recipes, they're delicious, but they're also fairly forgiving. Um, so if it's off by a little bit, you know, we may be able to tell from a um, palate that's tried it many, many times, but it's yeah. still really good. Fantastic. Fantastic. Now, you also offer a certain amount of marketing and PR support. Like you bring a crew to the location and throw this big grand opening <laughs> splash, I understand, right? Well, we used to pre-COVID, and now we're doing oh, more, but of yeah, course. We, um, we have a whole grand opening process that is fairly black and white because we have the data to show it works. And so we have every single shop do the same grand opening process, and then we kind of layer in local pieces uh, that might be specific to you know downtown Denver or mm -hmm. uh, Minneapolis or somewhere specific. Um, but yeah, we, we try and create a big event in the first couple weeks, knowing that people love our food. So we just need to get the food in their mouths. And once they try it, they come back on their own. Yeah, I was really astounded because there's a statistic that I think that your, um, your grand opening sales had like a 45% increase during the pandemic than those stores that opened pre-COVID, which blows me away. I mean, if I was interested in a franchise, I'd be looking at obviously the success potential, the profitability, and these are just astounding statistics, but it speaks to you're doing something right here. Like, yeah, that's, that's I, amazing. That's Right? combination of, of doing things that we know work and using yeah. data. We're a very data-driven organization to, to not just throw something on the wall and see if it sticks. We want to measure it and know that it worked. Um, and then, you know, a little bit of, of luck of us being able to um, thrive in the pandemic because of the technology we had already invested in um, compared to other restaurants who were just starting with it. Now, you've had some accolades as well, like Entrepreneur Magazine featured you, as well as Fast Casual called you, you know, one of the movers and shakers of 2019. So that certainly helps, right? It's exciting. Yeah, it's really exciting. I, I am a true believer in our brand. I think it's um, not only what, what the consumer wants, and it's a great 
product, um, but we, you know, we focus on profitability and we care about our franchisees and we have really good relationships with them. So we figure if, if they're you know, profitable and successful, then we will be too. So customer service is one of the biggest things that you focus in on any restaurant. You know, the guest service experience, you want to create what I call an amazing dining experience, not just serve food and drink, whether the food is extraordinary or not, it's the human touch, the personal element that really brings the whole thing together. Is there a specific staff training that goes along with in terms of service and in hospitality. That word gets thrown around a lot, but hospitality is super important in this business. And you need to hire the right kind of people with the right attitude that have a true desire to serve the public and make friends with the customers and bring them back again. And, you know, really get involved in the marketing piece, the social media aspect, the online reviews, like all this is important. Is there any secret sauce that you present to your new franchisees to make sure that that happens? Because that's really putting the company's best foot forward, isn't it? It is. And, and that is one of the largest, I say, challenges um, is hiring. It's hiring and retention of, of the people right now. And so that's going to be a huge focus for us in 2021 is um, how do you hire the right people? Because you can see the shops who are at the top of our scorecard. Um, they've had people working for them for years. Um, and they, they're able to retain them and, you know, they appreciate them and they become leaders and they become shift leaders and they, they recognize nice. them. So, awesome. um, yeah, we're trying to duplicate the, the top of the scorecard for the rest of the system. And, you know, people involvement is probably the hardest piece of, of the business, but it's a huge piece of the business. Best so, practices. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be a big focus for us. Is there an intercompany communication tool where, say, once a month, like all the franchisees tune into something and they can share stories or best, you know, things that happen that are great or get key learnings? Like, what do you do in that, in that area? Yeah, I mean, part of purchasing a franchise, one of the benefits is not having to recreate the wheel. So uh, we have a weekly communication that's um, a newsletter that we send out to the franchisees we always try to include some best practices and we'll call up one of the franchisees who had a, you know, $700 catering order and ask, how did you do it? How did you get it? Share, share the details. And we share that with everyone. Uh, and we also have um, our own webinars, you know, with, with everybody on there. Now they're over zoom. Zoom's actually made things quite easy um, than it was before. And so now everyone can see each other and yeah. comment and um, put in their two cents. So, yeah, sharing of ideas is one of the, the largest benefits of owning a franchise, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned catering because that is such a huge additional profit center in any restaurant. And if people love the food, I think this food adapts itself so well to, you know, obviously get-togethers in, in companies have all shifted, but there are still opportunities where, you know, you can bring in food if people are working, you know, on site, and then they can obviously socially distant and do all that kind of stuff. But yeah, you really got to promote every potential profit center in a business and catering is certainly a huge part of it. And you know exactly how many, you know, you're going to need and you put it all together and you charge one price for it. And, you know, even if there's some yeah. breakage there, you're, they're still paying for dinners for 30 or meals for 30, even if only 15 eat it and all it's, it's just great. I think that's it awesome. Is. And you yeah, we actually yeah. updated our catering program right mm -hmm. before COVID. We launched it on March 5th. Yeah. And it all shut down March 16th. So um, it allowed us to have a much simpler catering menu. It's really profitable. It's even more profitable than the, the regular menu for the franchisees. And so there was a shift. It wasn't just 
companies bringing catering in as much. It was, you know, even grocery stores bringing it in for their essential right. workers. Catering is a marketing event as much as it is a catering event. So any type of catering we can get is is gravy for the shops. So there's been some community give back and involvement during COVID also. Can you speak to that? Absolutely. So back in, I guess it was April when everybody was home, I think people were just feeling helpless and we wanted to help. Uh, we wanted to help our franchisees, but I think everyone wanted to do something to help, um, you know, outside and the doctors and nurses uh, and first responders. So uh, we came up with a program, a pay it forward program using our new catering platform where a customer could purchase a catering uh, teriyaki bar or bowls for a hospital, um, for doctors, nurses, or first responders. So the customer paid half, we matched, paid the other half, and we delivered it to the hospital of their choice. So we called every single customer who ordered one of these and said, thank you for ordering it, where would you like it to go? Um, and some said, oh, my niece works at the COVID unit, um, can you bring it over Friday at six? And others said, I don't care where you take it, take it to whoever needs it the most. Awesome. So Really cool. And, and we fed over 6,000 uh, doctors and nurses and first responders. And uh, it was a great program. Tell us also about your rewards program and how it works and how successful that is. Because you sure. know, loyalty is so important in this business. Repeat business, Absolutely. all that. Yeah. So we launched um, our loyalty program only about uh, 18 months ago. Uh, and so we were building it and it was working great. And people do really love getting points to, you know, get earn free food. Uh, but during the pandemic, we saw enormous growth, obviously, um, with the app and online ordering um, and our loyalty program. So after collecting all this data for months and months now, we know that our loyalty members are spending 16 to 19% more on average than our non-loyalty guests. And so having that data is really important to help show our franchisees how important it is to get their cashiers to tell every customer, yeah. download the app and get your points. Um, because not only are they spending more, they're coming in more often. So it's really important. That is so key. I mean, mm -hmm. and that's part of the training, the staff training that's so important to be so well-versed in the menu so that if a customer asks a question, you're in a position to answer that question, make a recommendation that improves the experience, but also to increase the check average, increase the sale in a subtle, suggestive selling sort of way mm -hmm. so that it comes across as excellent service and a knowledgeable person telling someone who may or may not know, you know, and we know you're going to enjoy the food. This is just what I would suggest. And, you know, there's a way to obviously increase the, the profitability of the store that way, too. That is such a critical piece. So yeah. I'm glad you're, you're saying that because there are operators out there that um, need to hear this. Mm -hmm. You know, I used to travel pre-COVID quite a bit. And it always astounded me, no matter what price point of the restaurant or what level of service they provided, whether it was fast casual, it was like a five-star, you know, really nice meal, how many people may have been trained in the menus and the nuances, but they really weren't trained in, in suggestive selling. And I would call them order takers. And they were leaving so much opportunity mm -hmm. on the table when I would have had a better experience if they recognized that I was a first-time visitor and that if they made a suggestion, chances are I was going to go for it if they brought that food and drink to life through their own experience. So it's awesome that's that that's good. part of your, your secret sauce as well. 
Let's talk about the mobile app. Now, that's something easy to download. Now, I can order from, you know, I can online order and, and do all that sort of thing and for pickup and delivery, right? You can. So we've partnered with Olo and Punch for our app. So Olo does the menu piece of the app and Punch does basically created the app and does the uh, loyalty piece of it. Um, one of the reasons that we chose to go with Olo is because they have two platforms. And one is Rails, which just integrates third-party delivery companies and makes it really seamless. So when someone orders from DoorDash or um, Postmates, it goes right into our kitchen, just kind of through our app and into our kitchen. Okay. Um, on the flip side, though, and this is all included in our app too, you can order delivery through us. It's still a third-party delivery company that, that delivers the food, but in those cases, it removes the commission. The, the relationship is between Olo and third-party. And so we've saved our franchisees or, sorry, $425,000 just in commissions in 2020 by using that platform. Wow. So, uh, yeah, we love seeing people with <sighs> our app. Yes, yes, because, you know, that's a hugely controversial thing right now because some of the leading third-party delivery platforms, it's well known that they take a good chunk of the bottom line right out of the meal. And these restaurants feel that they definitely need this sort of service right now, but they, they're really, you know, upset that they have to pay those, those types yeah. of fees. So now you've got a solution there as well. That's a win-win. Yep, for sure. Very yeah. cool. Anything I missed that you'd like to talk about? Tell us about Teriyaki Madness, other than your website is teriyakimadness.com. And if the listeners are interested in the franchise opportunity, you can find it at that URL. Is that not true? Absolutely. And then also, um, you know, if you follow us on Facebook, uh, we have a really fun brand personality. And we, we always say we take ourselves, our food seriously, but we don't take ourselves seriously. And our name is Tarakin Madness, so it gives us a little leeway to have some fun. So we're, we have a little bit of edgy brand voice. Right. Uh, we're just trying to stand out and be memorable. So if you want a good laugh, uh, follow our Facebook page and, and watch uh, what we're posting every week. Yeah, it sounds like if it's fun for the customers, it's super fun for the staff and, the, and you know, all the employees that work in the stores as well and for the franchise operators. Absolutely. That's awesome. Well, Jody, it's been a my, my pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's great. Okay, audience, that was the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. We will see you in the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. Guys, I can't thank you enough for all the great feedback you've been sending our way. We know you're loving the podcast. It's relevant information that's really helping you run a stronger, more profitable restaurant operation, and that is really our goal. I also want to let you know, why not reach out to me, Roger, R-O-G-E-R, -E at restaurantrockstars.com. I love talking shop with operators, and I'm happy to talk to you for 30 minutes about any challenges or pain points that you're having. No obligation, of course, but it's really fun for me, and it's another opportunity to give back. You know, I just got off the phone a day or so ago with two really great people, James and Emma, opening a new restaurant on the island of Mallorca in Spain. And we chatted all about their concept, their ideas, their plans. They asked lots of questions. And again, I was able to share a lot of my two decades of experience to help them open that restaurant. It's tons of fun for me. So again, reach out to me, roger at restaurantrockstars.com if you'd like to chat. I'd like to give a big shout out of thanks again to our sponsors of this week's episode. 
episode, restaurantbrands.com and Dawn Professional Dish Liquid. I'd also like to tell you about an upcoming virtual restaurant show that I'm putting on again with my good friend Jamie Oikel of runningrestaurants.com. It's called the Optimism and Opportunity Virtual Restaurant Conference. It's coming up early in April, so keep an eye on your inbox. It's sponsored by Performance Food Service by Handguards and Butterball. You've heard those names before. So thanks again for everyone, and we look forward to uh, seeing you in the next episode. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. For lots of great resources, head over to restaurantrockstars.com. See you next time.